Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle, making sure you've got time for healing and renewal. But right now, it's that moment we've all been waiting for. It has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the soon-to-be New York Times best-selling author, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. Well, hello there and good morning. <laughs> I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 387, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, people. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What's up, dog? What is up, a dog? <laughs> Can you imagine if British people said that? That'd be hilarious. What's up, a dog? <laughs> My favorite poodle. Yes, yes, yes. Man, we'll see what we have to get into. We were talking about this. This is one of those weird times of the year. Like, if you're into the NBA and you're a big Denver-Miami fan, then okay, you got the finals going on, but it's obvious that Denver is by far the better team. Same thing in the NHL where it looks like the Panthers finally ran out of steam it just so it it took them all the way to the Stanley Cup final I mean Vegas has just been I'm not going to say whipping their ass but kind of they're up three games to one they whipped their ass in the first two games and then they got lucky as hell man at the end of game three to force that into overtime and win in overtime but Vegas is going to win the cup you got the French Open going on if you're super into tennis which I don't know if anybody is anymore no I don't think so you know, I, mean, you, you, uh, I don't think Rafi's playing in it. So no, no. he's not. And, and if you're a college fan, Oklahoma just won their third straight national title in softball, and you got the College World Series for the men going on. But it's one of those weird, slower times where baseball is really settling in. And I watched the Rangers yesterday on Saturday afternoon against the Rays. You know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of the monotony of sport right now, unless you're just really into random NBA and NHL teams or in a random sport, it's that slower time of the year for the next few weeks. Yeah, and that's cool. I mean, it, it is the slower time of the year. It's um, There ain't a whole lot going on. It's when NFL teams take vacations, players yeah. and coaches, and uh, front office people. And uh, this is kind of, um, you know, the time where, back when we were doing the radio show on ESPN, we said, this is where you make your money, dog. Yeah, you man. come I- up with something besides a list to talk about. I mean, I guess if if you're, you know, the the Champions League final was yesterday. Man City against Inter Milan when Man City won. And I think that's nuts, man. Manchester City won the Champions League yesterday for the first time in their history. Which 
Well, here's why it sounds nuts. They've been around more than 100 years, but they sucked for about the first 90. Then they got bought, I believe, by a Saudi billionaire. And then that's when they became good, just like anybody else. They, I mean, why did the Rangers suddenly turn from what they've been the last five years into this really good team? Yeah. Because their multi-hundred millionaire or billionaire owners said, oh, I'm going to infuse the roster with money and top-notch players. And oh, my God, Matt, guess what? They're winning. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's... At one level, it ain't really all that complicated. But that's what happened with City. Now, they've been good for a long time now. But it's hard to win the Champions League. And for those of you who don't know, the Champions League, I think, takes the top two teams from every from the major soccer leagues, and they all play in a tournament. Yeah, that's why it's called the Champions League. Uh, and it's it's great. It's it's great when you get the best against the best playing each other. And that's what I love about soccer at its highest level that all the best teams play each other eventually in some kind of tournament or whatever. Yeah, which is cool because that's what obviously what happened yesterday and. With that win, I mean, we never talk soccer. I just happened to watch that game yesterday because it was on at a brewery we were at. But they won what's called in that realm of the world, the treble, which is like a triple crown because they won the Premier League. They won the FA Cup and they just won, obviously, the Champions League. So they won the three like huge leagues or cups or whatever you want to call them for them to win. And here's the interesting thing about how that happens. So you got Manchester City, which is playing in the Premier League. All these tournaments are going on during the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you may have, oh, uh, we got three guys from Uruguay on on the Uruguay national team playing this week, so we don't have them available for our Premier League game because they're off playing in the Champions League. Or, you know, they got all kind of stuff like that going on. So it's a a real grind to win the – uh, to win, to win those, those uh, deals. Yeah, so there it is. That'll be that might be the only time. I mean, this is our three hundred eighty seventh episode. I can guarantee you, we've never started off a podcast talking about soccer. And really, I meant the national team. You have guys leave for the national team, right? Yeah, guys. yeah. They're always they're they're very rarely playing with their full deck because somebody's always gone to play something in Look, some tournament for somebody. The easiest way, if you don't understand how this works, go buy FIFA and play it, and you'll understand it. it like I learned how all this Bruh. works from playing FIFA. That is that is real truth. It is. No, and that's real truth. You really get a better understanding of how the European world of soccer works no, from a video game. How frustrating it is how your guy got hurt in the FA Cup game and he's not available for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, look, we got some things to get into. Like I said, this is going to be a wild podcast because we're going to jump all over the place. We got some stuff here. We got some stuff about all kinds of random different stories. But none of this happens without our great sponsors. And at the top of that list, as you guys know, is Greening Law. They've been with us for a long time now. I worked with them personally. I had a wonderful experience. I can't recommend them highly enough. If you find yourself in a situation where you were hurt in a car accident, really, if you have injury to your person, if it's malpractice or on the premises of a business and it's not your fault and the insurance company's got to get involved, you need to pick up the phone and call Greening Law. Let them work their magic and go to bat for you against these insurance companies. No, you absolutely do, man. And Matt didn't just work with him. I mean, the reason why he says you can't recommend him highly enough is they walked him through the process. Matt's never been through anything like that. Um, and so, you know, he did what you should do when involved in an accident like that. He picked up the phone and called Greening Law and said, hey, Green Team, I'm Matt McLaren from the jam session, but hey, listen to my story. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the details of, of what's going on. Real talk. And uh, they listened to it and they said, hey, we think you've got a case. Let us investigate for a day or so. We'll hit you back. They hit him back. They said, okay, let's go. 
And uh, I always say it's a great day when they bring you on as a client because they're going to walk you through what could be this really tedious, I don't know, intimidating, time-consuming process. And they've set it up. So basically, all you got to do is be coachable, follow instructions, and, uh, you know, do what they say and take care of yourself and get better. It's greening law, man. It's easy to do. That phone call is free. The consultation is free. Cost you nothing to find out if you've got a case. So give them a call and find out if you do. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So one of the things, because the Cowboys wrapped up minicamp last week, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, but it's interesting because we heard Stephen and Jerry mention this name, and I saw Michael Gelkin had a whole article in the morning news about this dude. And it's really interesting because it is that time of the year where maybe there's a little bit of grasping at straws, trying to find stories and whatnot here. But Jalen Tolbert continues to get some praise. And, and I know we, we mentioned him last week. But it's interesting to me for a guy who barely got on the field at all last year was obviously a for a third round pick. You draft a guy in the third round, assuming he's going to be able to play for you a bit. And he was inactive for more games than he was active. But apparently this offseason and we kind of talked about this somehow, some way, it, it, it sounds like the organization has a lot of belief in this dude to be able to do some things for them this year. Yeah, I think that uh, they're, I mean, they're banking on it, that he can provide, how about this, some of what he was supposed to provide as a rookie. And everything uh, you read about him talks about he was just playing slow last year. The jump from um, college to the NFL for him was, was huge, and he, he basically he, he didn't handle it. And that's also why, real talk now, real talk, that's also why the reason you see the Cowboys in particular and most teams in general really go after guys, players from Power Five conferences because the jump from the Power Five playing from 100,000 in the big house or at Alabama or, you know, whatever, is a lot less than, um, you know, playing from, where do you go, Southern Alabama? Yeah, Southern Alabama down in Mobile. Uh, yeah, so, and not only that, man, so he's from that area. So this was not just going to another school. This is like, I mean, going to the NFL, this is like leaving home for the first time, real talk. And so I think all of that, based on what you hear, made him a very slow player. And he couldn't take advantage of his athleticism and all the traits that made him uh, made him a good player. Now, apparently he's learned all four receiver positions. He's not thinking about them, so now he can go be fast and play football. And here's the deal. That's all great. We'll find out in training yeah. camp. And, and that's part of it for me as well. I mean, apparently at this point, and again, until you get to training camp, this is all we got. The Cowboys consider him – by far their most improved receiver and very much possibly the most improved overall player over the course of the offseason. And we talked about this when they drafted him because I was stoked about this because this is a burner. I mean, this is a dude who averaged 18 yards a catch his final year at South Alabama on 82 catches. On 82, not this isn't some guys like, oh my God, he was stretching the field, only had 20 catches. 82 catches for 1474. And he had at least one reception of more than 20 yards in each of his 12 games his last year at South Alabama. Then he gets to the NFL and he catches two passes for 12 yards total in his rookie season. He was a healthy scratch the final seven weeks. He didn't play a healthy scratch in both of the playoff games. And you hope that the light has gone off. And 
It's interesting because he calls himself a perfectionist, apparently. And he even admitted in the story that Gelkin put up in the morning news, he says, that's one of the things that got me here, but it can also be a fault. I've always been an overthinker. I want it to be perfect. And I feel like that kind of hurt me in a sense last year where I was thinking too much instead of just playing. Oh, I mean, that's happened to a, to a lot of guys, man. He's not, he's not the first person that that has happened to. Uh, he won't be the last person that has happened to. And so the key is how can you, how can you learn not to do that? And uh, if you read that articles, the other thing in there is Brandon Cooks showing up saying, hey, dog, yeah. basically, which we've heard a thousand times, like being a cornerback or any other player, dude, you, you got he used the term flush it. You have a bad play, you just got to flush it, man, and move on to the next one because the game is going. Mm-hmm. And understand that what you've heard from every, whether it's those guys are on varsity too or those guys are on scholarship too, those guys in the NFL get paid too to make plays, man. So every play is not going to be clean. Every play is not going to work. Uh, understand that and move on to the next one. Yeah, and that's where this is going to get interesting. And we've mentioned this, but the receiver position is one – to keep an eye on because again it goes back to the idea that okay yes cd lamb is a legit number one wide receiver michael gallup when healthy we believe can be a legit number two we know what he can do brandon cooks and i always think this is funny i mean brandon cooks came into the nfl and everybody knew about his speed and talked about his speed and that was all that you knew about brandon cooks was at the end of the day this dude i think what he run like a four two something at the combine or whatever yeah, he's been fast forever. Yeah, I mean, this dude can fly, and he's played in some weird situations with the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, the Texans. He's always getting traded, yet everywhere he goes, he's productive. I mean, he, he had multiple 1,000-yard receivers for the Saints. His one year in New England, he had a 1,000-yard season. He had a 1,000-yard season with the Rams. He had 2,000-yard seasons with the Texans. And he gets here, and now people are like, oh, my God, this dude's fast. Like, this is well, – yeah, I mean – that's what Brandon Cooks is known for. And I think that's interesting because in the league, guys know who's fast. And for 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 the dudes around the team to be talking about how noticeably fast he is is interesting <laughs> when you already know this guy is fast. And that tells me that he's legitimately fast. And that real-time speed, seeing it on the field like that is, is raising guys' eyebrows, which is a positive. Because understand, he ain't no big dude, man. Right, yeah, he's not at all. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's like, and I actually talked to him. He's uh, like 5'10", 180, I think. Yeah, two weeks ago, and he's not a big dude. And so I was asking him, I was like, well, why do you keep getting traded? I said, I don't think, it's, I said, I don't think it speaks to you. He says, because I'm a dog, and every team is always in search of a dog if they can get one. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so I, I go, so when have you been a – I said, when did you become a dog? He said, the day I put on, I stepped on the football field and started playing. I said, so you've been one of them cats who was a dog in, in Little League. He's like, Absolutely. And I believe it because literally he's probably just faster than everybody else. Yeah, no doubt. Once he got the ball and turned the corner, it was a wrap. So uh, he's, uh, you know, I'm interested to watch him play, man, because don't forget, he was a first-round pick. Yeah, out of Oregon State. out of Oregon State. And I can't remember how Oregon State was when he was there. Normally they they suck, but maybe he was – he was part of that team when they were uh, when they were good for a minute. All right, I, I apologize. He ran a four three. It was a four three. I think I said like a high four two. It was a four three that he ran at the combine. Yeah, okay, we'll forgive you for that. Yeah, thank you. So, but you know the Cowboys receiver group. I bring that up because it's those three guys. That's it. And then behind them again, it's Simi Fajoko, Cavante Turpin, Jalen Tolbert, and a bunch of dudes that have never done anything that are street free agents. 
and that's why you really hope that the what they're saying about Jalen Tolbert is true because they're going to need that dude. He is going to have to give this one of those guys behind the main three is going to have to give you something this year. No, I, I think uh, I think you have to anticipate that because I don't think you can expect everybody to stay healthy uh, for the full time. And so, um, yeah, it would be great if Jalen Tobin can emerge in that. Uh, I do I do respect the fact that he's not backing away from the poor year that he had. Uh, he's been pretty positive about it. And so, uh, you know, hopefully he can put something together. You know, I say that and I'm looking at it from last year because I was curious. C.D. Lamb obviously led the team with 107 catches. This is just wide receivers I'm, I'm going to talk about. So I'm not throwing in the tight ends or Pollard or anybody like that. So Lamb with 107. The second leading wide receiver on the team with 43 catches was Noah Brown. Third was Michael Gallup with 39. No other receiver on the team, wide receiver, had more than seven catches. It's terrible, bro. That is wild, dude. Oh, because they let their money get mad and cut Amari Cooper. It's just one of the dumbest decisions that they've made. I mean, that is that is just absolutely wild. Now, obviously, you had Schultz and you had Ferguson that combined for like 70-some-odd catches combined. And then Pollard and Zeke, when you combine those guys together, had almost 40 combined catches. But still, like actual wide receivers, only three on the entire team had more than seven catches a year ago. It'd be nice. And that's why it goes back to the thing about Jalen Tolbert, it would be nice if that dude can step up a little bit and give him a little bit of something as a fourth wide receiver. And maybe he only has 20 catches. Who knows? But something would be nice. Now, I think he'll have an opportunity to do something. Uh, We'll just see how it goes. But, uh, you know, he's talking about it. He's owned it. And now the next step is to to produce. Because check this out. Ain't nobody talking about Simi Fajoko. No, and nobody's going to talk about him ever. I mean, he's a fifth-round pick. He's a special but, teams man, guy. You need, he has yeah. to be on the team. You need guys like that. Yeah, but anybody talking about him as a receiver. So no. that at least they're talking about Tobert as a receiver. Yes, and that, that has to hopefully play into something. And as you said, we'll find out when we get to training camp. Really, the only other things, and we briefly mentioned this a little bit last week, but the other thing that kind of jumps out from the mini camp is the Texas coast and how you're starting to see that everywhere because Dak basically has named this offense the Texas Coast, which is the infusing of some of the West Coast-type principles and scheme into what the Cowboys do, kind of melding together, it sounds like, what the offense was and what it's going to be. And all of a sudden, I mean, Texas Coast, I mean, come on, that's going to catch on like crazy. (laughs) People are going to be using that. Jim Nance is going to call a Cowboys game this year, and they're going to score, and they'll be like, and the waves into the end zone with this Texas coast. He'll say something super <laughs> corny like that. But, man, you're, that's yeah. another one of those things you're just seeing. Like, everybody's writing about it, and you're seeing it everywhere. Texas coast. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it really, what the real impact of the offense is. And uh, that's why I really want to get to training camp and spend a few days and really get to understand what it's all about and what they're uh, – what they're trying to accomplish on offense. Yeah, hopefully, because, how, I mean. You know how different it is, because they spend a lot of time talking about how their coaching plays differently. Yeah. With different emphasis and stuff. And I'm really just like, okay, what does that really mean? I'm kind of about that, too. I mean, it's not like this was some trash offense. Right. I mean, they still had a good offense. Yes, it obviously faded off, and it wasn't as, I guess, prominent but let's keep in mind they did score 31 points in the wild card playoff game against tampa bay last year 
and they put up 40 against the Eagles on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, yeah, they sucked in the final game against the Commanders, but it's not like this was some trash offense. No, no. I think the problem is it was it was uh, inconsistent. And you might say, but right. still, they scored all these points. Yeah, but look at a game like Indianapolis where they were shut down for three quarters and then scored some absurd amount of points in the fourth quarter, uh, some off of defense. But, so it was just inconsistent. Uh, the running game was inconsistent, terrific early, that's bad late. So I think they're searching for consistency uh, to lead their offense this year. Yeah, we'll see if they can find it, man. But outside of that, really nothing else going with the Cowboys. And like we said, now they go dark, so to speak, and we will see them again. Uh, Everybody, it's not official, but I think we mentioned this. It's training camp's going to be that last Tuesday in July will be the state of the team. I mean, it's going to happen then. It'll be July 25th and then July 26th. That'll be their first training camp practices. So from now until July 26th, the next five, six weeks, Get everything done that you need to, and then we're going to hit it full throttle, man. <laughs> yep, and it's going to be like that for the next six months. Yeah, man, you got you, you to gotta get ready, save your money so you, you can buy all that memorabilia when they win the Super Bowl in February. So start putting <laughs> some stuff aside. Matt's already going strong with that right off the bat. Hey, you know what? At, at, this is the time of year, whatever your team is, if it's not the Cowboys, now's the time to believe. Until they show you they can't, just believe. <laughs> Although the way, the way the Rangers have been playing, I might have to be putting some money aside just in case I need some for Rangers. I already Bro. told, I told the lady, I said, you realize that the Rangers ever win the World Series, I will probably spend like $700 on memorabilia. Oh, I thought you were going to say tickets. Well, that's already a given. Oh, okay. But I mean, because I had a dream that they won the World Series a couple of weeks ago, and I, I bought two World Series t-shirts, a hoodie, a couple of hats and like a few other things. And it got here in the mail in my dream. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, what? They never win the world series. This will probably never happen again. I got to have it all. (laughs) And I, I ended up having our bedroom and she got pissed. This is all in a dream. She came in and I had bought like a Texas Rangers world championship mattress set and stuff. Right. Like bed sheets and all this. Yeah. And she was like, what is this? I'm not sleeping on that. I was like, it's the bed sheets of champions. (laughs) I don't know, man. Dreams are weird, but Yeah, so that's a little Cowboys fun with you guys. Let's get into the block because we got a lot of random stories that we're going to go down. This is going to be a very off-base rabbit hole podcast, which is going to be fun. But before we do that, we got to tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. And Jacques had, he was like, hey, did you see my my advertisement for Freeway on Twitter? I was like, no. And I went and looked. And look at that smiling face in front of Freeway Tire Shop. And the only way you can be happy at a, at a mechanic is because you know you can trust JR. He's doing the work. Your vehicle was there for whatever reason, and JR's taking care of it for you. Now, I had a couple problems with it, but uh, you know, the reason I go to JR is here's what the deal. I dropped it off, and a couple hours later, he said, hey, call me. I called him, went through everything that was wrong, gave me a couple options to fix different things. And uh, then he said, okay, I think we're straight. Oh, and then he sent me some pictures of things that were, here's what's wrong with it. Here's a picture. Then he explained the picture. You know, so it's that's what I'm talking about when I say, you know, you can trust the guy to give you the real lowdown of what's going on with your car. It doesn't mean it's good news. It just means here's the lowdown. Here's the deal. Here's here's your choices. And here's the, the types of action we can take to fix your car. And so if you can trust him to diagnose it like he did and then you trust him to use quality parts. And that's what our main conversations were about the other day. Like, yeah, I want to I want to go, you know, top of the line on this part, uh, bottom of the line on that one because it's not as important. 
you know, blase, blase. Uh, and then you can trust him, man, to give you a fair price. And then, which he did. And then, you know, you can trust him to stand behind his work. So if your mechanic is not doing all four of those things I just talked about, diagnosing your, your problem quickly, um, using quality parts, giving you a fair price, and then standing behind his work, then quickly, man, as fast as you can. Next time you have a car, you should take it to the freeway tire. It's uh, right up the street, five minutes from downtown. You go 35 north toward Denton, get off at Commonwealth, go through the light. You literally cannot miss it. It's on the right. And tell JR, hey, we one of Jam fans. Hook me up. Take care of my car. Do it. There it is. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Make it happen. Also, of course, brought to you by Flow Air Heating and Air. Flow Air, family-owned, veteran-owned. They've been doing it for over 16 years. And this month, for June, they are running a duct cleaning special. So call them or text them. You can find out more about that. You want your ducts to be clean, obviously, and get that airflow through your house, especially those 100-degree days are here. If you are in the DFW area and your AC is going to be running like crazy, Flow Air Heating and Air, keep them top of mind because at some point you're going to hold up your hand and be like, oh, no, I don't think we're blowing cold air anymore. And that's such a nightmare scenario, especially in those 100-degree days. The worst thing ever is when your AC stops working and you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, God, it's really hot in here. And you go and you look and it's like 80 something degrees in your house. You're like, oh, my God, that is that's a nightmare, man. No. And that's why you need to go get your, duck, your air ducts clean and taken care of. Yeah, You know, man, I'm a believer in just doing all this is preventative maintenance. The same reason why you go get a physical every year at the doctor. All this stuff is about making sure your air conditioner works because we got a little taste of it the other day. The 90s are coming, baby. And they're coming hard and they're coming strong and they're not going to leave anytime soon. So. Get your air conditioning system ready for that kind of uh, trouble this summer, and you won't have any trouble. Peace of mind, baby. That's why you need Flow Air. That is exactly why you need Flow Air. You also need Flow Air for when that emergency situation does arrive because they're 24-7 emergency service. Middle of the night, 3 a.m., you wake up, you're drenched in sweat, give them a call, shoot them a text. Flow Air is going to be there for you. 817-808-4115. You can also look them up. They are Flow Air. It's F L O A I R E T X dot com. Flow Air dot com. Or shoot them a text. Figure out what they can do for you to help your home stay cool this summer. 817 808 4115. It's Flow Air Heating and Air. So, this trip around the block, man, we got a lot. So, I've got multiple stories here. We'll just run through them all. First off, I, for whatever reason, decided, you know what it is? When the Rangers, because I love baseball. And the Rangers, at, at the core of what the Rangers are, they're probably my favorite sports team. Really? Even more so than the Cowboys or the Stars. That's, that's why it surprised me. I figured the Stars, but I didn't know the Cowboys. I didn't know you were a Rangers guy like that. Yeah, man. And, and it goes all the way back when I was a little kid growing up. And my dad and my mom used to take us to Rangers games. I mean, I've been going to Rangers games since I was five years old. And I loved baseball as a kid. And the game and we've talked about this, the game kind of got away a little bit and it became something I didn't enjoy watching. Plus the Rangers sucked. But this yeah. year I knew they were going to be better. I knew they were going to be good. And I was excited to see the changes in baseball. And they, and I've talked about this. They fixed the game. They brought it back. I bought the MLB package on like MLB TV or whatever. So I can watch Rangers games. I've never done that before. And this past weekend, and part of this is having my son this month, I was like, hey, let's get a baseball game. 
So I bought MLB The Show 23. Oh, did you now? Look at you. Yeah, it was on sale online. So I just downloaded it. And I was like, man, I got to tell you, I haven't played the show in years because it's really hard. But it's... I wanted to get it because the Rangers, I knew they would be good on there. They have players that I enjoy watching. And DeGrom on the game is not hurt, which is great. As a matter of fact, in his second start in my franchise, Jacob DeGrom threw a perfect game. So I bet he did. It was pretty awesome. Well, one thing I like, I mean, MLB The Show, it's so detailed. I mean, the, the player movement, it's so fluid. The uniforms, the detail of the stadium, I mean, the fluidity of the game, it is incredible. Right. I mean, I've been blown away. Like, I'm addicted to it. I I woke up this morning and played a couple of games before we started recording. Oh, okay. So you're at that level right now. Yeah, man. Like, I just want to play it all day long. As a matter of fact, Father's Day is next weekend. And I told him, I was like, you guys know what I want to do for Father's Day? And the lady in in Maddox like, what? I was like, I think I'm just going to play MLB all day. They're like, no, you can't do it. I was like, it's my day. I can do whatever I want. Maybe I want to play MLB The Show for 12 straight hours. You know? <laughs> I won't really do that. But, man, it is. And one thing I really like about this game is you can set it. Like, at the beginning of it, I, I put it on beginner because I'd never played before. I mean, I probably haven't played MLB The Show in 10 years. Right. And so I had no con- – like, how does it work? And so it, it really helps you and brings you along – and then the game, as you get better, the game adjusts the difficulty. Does it? Automatically, yeah. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool right there. Yeah, so it's, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I realized a couple games in, I was like, okay, and it, it'll tell you, like, hey, you, you've been, it's adjusted to the next little level or whatever as you've gotten better. I was like, I wonder, I'm going to put it back on beginner just to see what happens. I beat a team 44 to nothing on beginner. And so then I switched it back to the learning part and, and I won a game like seven to four. Right. Like a normal game. I was like, okay, this is enjoyable. Like this is actually, because while it's fun to hit a ton of home runs and beat a team 44 to nothing, that's just stupid. <laughs> exactly. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting because I don't know that I've played a game that kind of has an AI. A, yeah, like an AI that learns you like that. But it's at a, at a it's not like it, it's in the course of a game. Like, okay, you're being better and you're starting to hit these pitches. So we're going to make these adjustments. And they, it's been really interesting because I'm, I'm, I think I'm 10 games into my franchise and I can tell it's more difficult, but I've also gotten better. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the beauty of those games, man. That's why I had to, uh, I haven't played any of them in a couple of years. Yeah. Because I, I was, I can get like you. I can. Uh, I have to really watch myself because it's so enjoyable and it's so much fun that uh, I can, dude. I can burn three or four hours no problem just hanging out doing that. Uh, take a little break and burn another couple of hours. Uh, and some people will say, "Well, how can you do that? Ah, it's a waste of time. What are you doing, you big kid?" And I usually just tell people, man, two things. Number one, and y'all have heard me say this before, uh, video games are a multi billion dollar business there's not 10 year olds spending money on it yeah it's adults correct and you know number two how you relax is how you relax man if you like to play video games for let's just pick a number three or four hours on a saturday that's how you get done that's how you relax that's no different than somebody waking up at at six o'clock and we all know people who do it so they can be at the golf course by seven and tee off by eight and play around the golf and be home at noon or one o'clock. Yeah. They, they spent the same amount of time. 
they were just playing golf instead of playing video games. Or, you know, people who go to the gym like I do most Saturdays. I, I went this uh, I went this morning, Sunday, but, you know, and go spend a couple hours at the gym. It's whatever you do to relax, man, and get rid of the stress in your life is whatever you do, as long as you ain't hurting nobody. I agree, and I highly enjoy them. And like you said, I mean, it's just a a fun little way to, to just kind of escape well, in a sense. The truest thing ever said was, if it's in the game, it's in the game. I mean, no that's doubt. one of the all-time great logo, I mean, slogans. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, that's why these games are so good, and that's why they're so much fun, because it's really, it's like playing the game. And the next step, and I saw this on a commercial, and it's the next logical step, is for it to be virtual reality at a high level. Yeah. Where you're really facing DeGrom's 90-mile-an-hour fastball, or it feels like yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, which will be so insane. That's the next level, because the one I saw was a baseball game. And so, um, you know, football and all that stuff is coming next. It'll be a lot of fun when we get to that level. And it, it, that's where, I mean, the gameplay now on games, and I'm, I can't even imagine what a PS5 must be compared to the PS4 because I still have that. And it's, I mean, it, you know, especially the cutscenes are, are elite high-level animation that looks almost real. Bro, it's coming. It is. It's coming. But yeah, man, MLB The Show 23. Man, what a fun game. So the other thing, and I'm curious if this ever, back when this was happening, because I think we all know this guy, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski has died. Is that why I saw him the other day? Yes, he died, I believe on, it was either Friday or Saturday morning, like super, you know, technically we're like, we would say Friday night, but technically it's Saturday morning. Yeah. One of those situations overnight. He was 81 years old, died at the prison that he has been in wherever he is. I think he was at Leavenworth, if I remember correctly, like whatever, like the. No, he was at the Federal Medical Center in Butner, North Carolina. Oh, and they believe he died by suicide. Which I don't know how, but and I'm curious like, we all know the Unabomber. I've watched documentaries on him and all that type of stuff. Okay, yeah, he was at the Supermax in Florence, but he got transferred to the Federal Medical Center um, a little over, it looks like almost two years ago. That's what I thought. I knew he was at one of those crazy Supermax facilities. But the Unabomber man who killed three people and wounded 23 others from bombing just random different things over the course from 1978 to 1995 with the bombs through the mail like was that ever a thing do you remember because i was a kid when most of that was probably more prominent but i remember hearing about it and it seems like there was a little bit of national freak out at a point about it yeah i think i, I was right around 30 then so yeah i mean i remember it uh, it was just wild when they found out who he was it's like this unassuming dude out in the middle of nowhere yeah shack in montana this, yeah yeah creating all this chaos and so, no, I mean, it was the wise of the wild stories because it was, you know, nobody expects to. And the reason why it was so, uh, what's the word I'm looking The reason why it um, was so scary, it's, it's like the DC sniper. Like, I, I went to get some gas. Nobody expects to be hit by a bullet from an unknown car that nobody ever sees. So nobody expects to get a piece of mail. Oh, oh, here's a package, here's a letter. You open it up and it explodes. I mean, just nobody expects that. Yeah. We all get mail. 
and it appears to be random. And so that will, you know, scare the bejesus out of you. Yeah, I imagine it would. I mean, that had to be like just a, the, the most crazy thing ever. You know, that's what's so weird about some of those things that happened. And I guess now you got to go all the way back, you know, many, many years ago, like the Tylenol cyanide killer. I mean, I was right. That was so long ago and I was a kid, but that's the reason why we have like seals and, and whatnot on medication now, because some dude put cyanide in Tylenol capsules and people randomly took it and died because of that. I'm pretty sure this was all to cover up a murder. I think the person who did it murdered somebody and to cover it up, he put these pills out there so that it would seem that his victim was part of this larger random killing thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, again, I don't remember anything about it other than I randomly remember hearing stories about it at some point, or I read a book on it, who the hell knows? Yeah, because that was way back. So that was back in the early 1980s in 1982, the Chicago Tylenol murders. Yeah. Seven victims. Crazy, man. God, that is nuts. All right, well, let's let's, uh, get off the negative Nancy and move back into some fun. Yes. So you sent this tweet, and this is wild because I remember seeing this movie in theaters. Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park, the Steven Spielberg genius of Jurassic Park, was released 30 years ago today as we record this. The original Jurassic Park, all the way back June 9th, I believe, 1993 is when it originally hit theaters. And then June 11th, 1993 is when it opened in every theater across the country. And so here we are some 30 years later. I mean, everybody knows Jurassic Park, all from a book written originally by Michael Crichton who has written all kinds of great books. I mean, I've read many of his books. He's, he, he's done some stuff, man. Did you like the movie uh, when it first came out? When the movie first came out, it blew my high school mind. <laughs> I loved it. Because we'd never, I mean, again, I re, like the scene where Sam Neill and Laura Dern first see the, the whatever, it's either a brontosaurus, brachiosaurus, whatever that is. When you see that in the movie for the first time, I think as an audience member, our reaction was like how their reaction was. Where we're just like, oh my, because it looked so, especially for 1993, it looked real. It's like we're watching dinosaurs. (laughs) Exactly. And I remember, man, that movie was just, it was absolutely phenomenal. No, I was a big fan of it. I mean, plus, uh, you go back and see all the people in it who, like, Samuel L. Jackson's in there. You're like, but you don't know him until later. You go, oh, hey, that's Samuel L. in there. And, yeah. Uh, but no, it was, it was terrific, man. It was a, uh, I had number love for, for the first one. Yeah, that is, that is. I mean, the dinosaurs are great when, uh, you know, the dude's in there on the toilet and the shack falls apart. And uh, Jeff Goldblum yeah. was being his usual neurotic self. Yeah, that weirdness of Goldblum. Dude, it's all great, man. It was terrific. It, it was so good that if it came on today and I was scrolling through, I'd stop and watch it, which I've done numerous times. You're right. I've done that as well. I mean, it's there's something to it, man. And the remakes of it, it like Jurassic Park 2 and 3 and all that, the originals, and then they came out with the new cast, and, and some of them are okay, but none of them will hit like that first one. And what's no. interesting about the series of tweets that you sent 
is they go through like all these facts about the movie, including oh. the fact that Universal won the bidding war for the script. They wanted Steven Spielberg to direct Jurassic Park, but Spielberg was already in pre-production on a movie version of ER, the, the TV show. Did but, that ever come out? No. And what's funny about this is, so the dude at Universal told Spielberg, if you'll do Jurassic Park, we'll do Schindler's List. And of course, he obviously was like, all right, and did that. And we all know how great Schindler's List was. Wow. Which is crazy, man. It's really interesting to see all these types of things that they did with this. The story behind the story, bro. Always and I, fascinating. I remember that they filmed it in Kauai, which is one of the Hawaiian islands. And three weeks into filming, the movie was, or the island, Kauai, was hit by a hurricane. And they had to shut down filming because of it. But some of the shots from the actual hurricane made it into the movie, like the waves crashing and some of the storms that hit while they were out there. And it's crazy because they all had to, like, barricade themselves in their hotel for a day or whatever it was. Wow. I mean, dude. That's crazy. Uh, it's funny that you're saying all this because that's one of my favorite things to do is when it comes out years later to hear all the stories behind yeah. the story. Because most of them, you're like, oh, my God, how did that happen? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's really crazy when you get into the, the story behind the story, kind of like what you're talking about. And so apparently when filming wrapped, Spielberg went straight into production on Schindler's List and was working on both films at the same time, he would film Schindler's during the day and edit Jurassic Park at night. And of course, Jurassic Park at the time was the highest grossing film ever. And Schindler's List won Best Picture and won Spielberg, Best Director, got his Oscar there for directing Schindler's List. How can you keep your brain that organized? Or I mean, that separate? I, I don't know, man, but like some of this stuff, like I didn't know any of this. So Spielberg, who was filming Schindler's List in Poland, so to keep communication open with the Jurassic Park team back in Los Angeles, he rented two satellite channels through Polish television and kept them open at all times. <laughs> the cost was $1.5 million per week. Well, damn. I mean, how nuts is that? You got to have a lot of coin to do that, bro. God, Just saying. I tell you, man. That's fantastic. But yeah, Jurassic Park, I mean, it's... It's still to this day, one of the great all-time movies, I think, I would say. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I wouldn't necessarily think it would be like that, but if you think about ingenuity and creativity and opening up kind of like a new genre of kind of movies, maybe it is. That's amazing, dude. And then how about this? So Dennis Nedry, who is played by Wayne Knight, and a lot of people are familiar with oh, Wayne Knight yeah, from yeah. Seinfeld. He's Newman on Seinfeld. So yeah, Spielberg, like the most uh, greasiest dude ever. No doubt. Apparently Spielberg cast him because he saw him in basic instinct. And he says, I waited for the credits to roll and wrote his name down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. This stuff is just like the little things you find out about how certain movies came to be and how certain people got into certain movies. And now are these big stars and whatnot are always fascinating to me. Yes, uh, no doubt. Matter of fact, I sent you another one later on uh, Shawshank Redemption, I think. Okay, well, I'll go down the rabbit hole in that because Shawshank's my all-time favorite movie. I don't think I knew that. It's, yeah. it's in my top two or three. Yeah, it's it's my all-time favorite. It used to be Braveheart, and I still love Braveheart, but Shawshank, uh, Shawshank is my number one. I can watch it at any moment, any time, any part in the movie and be totally stoked about it. 
I've gotten with you on that one. I absolutely love it. So again, uh, uh, this is rabbit hole podcast. And, and the other thing, because I got a bunch to bring up here. And the other thing, another story that you sent, and this is going to start happening, I think, to more and more people. But you sent me the story about Nancy Whiteman, who is CEO and founder, co-founder of an edible cannabis company called Wana. She left her job, like just randomly decided to leave her job as a consulting person back in 2010 to cook edibles in Boulder, Colorado. She now, at 64 years old, is one of the richest self-made women in America with a net worth of $225 million. At one point, at one level, bro, that's a really amazing story. At another level, man, it's a little little sad for me because, I don't know, man. It's like once, uh, like, you know how many people went to jail and spent their whole life in jail because of that? Uh, and now yes. that we've just now that we've decided oh and i won't say it like this but it's really true white folks decided they could make money off of it so now okay let's change all the rules and it's uh it's good for her and it's great for her but it's just like the hypocrisy just be cracking me up sometimes in, in a in an incredibly sad way uh that now that that we can figure out how to make money off of it oh hey the edibles marijuana yeah it's all good man it comes from the earth it's not you know process hey let's go out and get high it's not a big deal yeah man and you know the reality of it is is that nearly half of the states now have legalized rec- recreational cannabis and another quarter yeah. allow medicinal use including alabama and what's interesting about this is i've got a buddy who recently left his job and he is one of the people behind a medicinal marijuana company here in alabama and they only approved like a handful of companies to be able to legally grow it and all this. And I'm like, dude, I said, it may not happen for the next few years, but at some point you are going to be a multimillionaire because of this. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and here's my take. You know, I, I've, I've never been a big weed smoker. Um, but as, as, you know, as your kids come up now, every generation is different. You know, when I was a kid, hey, smoking weed, weed, you'll end up on the streets, broken, homeless, and near death. Uh, you know, and clearly that's changed. And as I look at it now, I don't really view it. You can tell me what you think. I don't really view it that much differently than having a drink or a cocktail or two or whatever. Um, you know, but, you know, as your kids get older, you have to have these talks about drinking and drugs and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so, you know, I told my son, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not sitting here telling you go do it, but you, you know, you're an adult, so you're going to do whatever it is you want to. But you have to treat all these things the same. And uh, I don't think anybody's ever died from a weed overdose. Uh, but, you know, keep everything in perspective. You know, this is how I would approach it if I were you. Um you know, uh, just so you can have that conversation so that you can, uh, you can, I guess, put up some parameters. But I don't think it's the end of the world. And clearly, since it's legalized everywhere, neither does anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I've never really been a big weed person either. It, it, and I, I don't know why. I mean, I know a lot of people who are very into it and around it quite a bit. It just never Dude. was my thing. I, it, I don't know why. You know, if you really is now, I'm being real here. It's really interesting if you get into it. If you start talking about, uh, you know, 
the different types, not just strains, but the ones I forget what they call sativa. I think keeps you keeps you kind of mellowing up, yeah. and the other one puts you to sleep. But uh, but then you know you start talking about different strains and what they look like and what, how they affect. I mean, it's like as many different kinds of vodka and bourbon as there are. Oh, yeah. There's that many different kinds of strains of weed, and it's all it's just all kind of interesting to me. I think there's a weed major uh, at the University of Colorado or one of those schools. I'm sure there because, is, man. Because there's an art to growing strains, just like any other plant mm-hmm. or crop. And it's really interesting because smoking weed, the National Academies of Science has found that there's no statistical association between cannabis and the incidence of lung cancer, unlike with cigarettes. Ah, well, that's because uh, I'm sure it's the, the difference between weed and nicotine. So, yeah, if you got you to smoke something and inhale something, this seems like the best if, that's, uh, if, if you're going to do one. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, really, because I've never really researched it or looked into it because it's not my thing. And it, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not into it. But if, I, a uh-huh. lot of people, I have some good friends that are, I mean, daily are, are doing something with it. Yeah, and and again, I used to look at it weird until I, like I said, how many people do you know come home from a hard day at work and have a cocktail at the house? Yeah. That's how I view it. <laughs> or if you don't have a cocktail, maybe you right. have uh, two or three beers. I'm just relaxing, I'm just chilling. It's been a long day at work today. Well, somebody wants to roll up and smoke a blunt. They're, they're doing the same thing. Yep, I would say so, man. That's That's kind of where it is now. And then finally, in this extraordinarily lengthy, random trip down memory lane on all these things around the block here. People will love it, too. We'll get all kind of text messages on Monday talking about, oh, this was great, bro. You also sent this tweet, and I remember this. And for whatever reason, it started to make its way in its rounds again. But there's a thing on, on Twitter right now that's going around again. It's a picture of Dallas side by side. Bro. Of downtown Dallas, and I'm guessing this is from like the north, kind of the north side of downtown looking south. Yeah. And it's a picture of downtown Dallas in 2001. And on the bottom is a picture in, of downtown Dallas from 2021. And the crazy growth in 20 years, it's almost as if new Dallas ate old Dallas. Like it's. It's, That's why traffic is so bad. Yeah, it almost looks fake. It's almost as if they superimposed another city on what Dallas was, but it's real. I mean, it's crazy the growth of downtown Dallas in the last 20 years. Dude, well, living downtown, I took a roll. I was rolling around the other day. There's so much new construction going on. Yeah. I mean, people are popping up apartment buildings everywhere, bro. Yep. Literally everywhere downtown. And uh, I mean, it's I mean, clearly they're popping them up because they think people are going to move into them. So they believe growth is here. Uh, there's people building condos. There's businesses. Go- I mean, it's, I mean, all kind of things are going on. Uh, you know, a bunch of gentrification in South Dallas is taking place. So they're messing around with all those streets over there and changing things. Uh, it is uh, it's wild, man. It's a, it's a very interesting time to be around Dallas. And I ran. A friend of mine flew in from Minneapolis because his son was uh, having a soccer tournament. And uh, they were staying uh, at the Westin on Park Central. Okay. Well, I, I don't hang out on Central very much because I hate Central. So, I, you know, there's, unless I'm going to North Park, I'm not really over there much. Yeah. Or unless I'm going to teach at SMU, and even then I take the tollway most of the time. 
We said to meet him at this restaurant up there. Well, dude, I pulled in. I was like, what a cool little pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right off of Walnut Hill. There's yeah. a place called Momentum, which I'd never heard of, which is all about, um, it's a place where you go, you can go rock climbing indoors mm-hmm. and do some kind of other fitness thing and yoga. But the rock climbing is kind of like their, their cool little thing to draw people in. And it's a, it's not just like, I mean, it's like legitimate if you want to go indoor rock climbing, this is the spot to go. And they had a bunch of cool restaurants over there, and they had a couple of places that I'd never heard of in terms of restaurants. And I was like, oh, this is only like 10 minutes from now, 15 minutes on a day with very minimal traffic or a time with minimal traffic. I need to come back over here and check it out and see what's up. Yeah, I mean, it's the explosion, especially of downtown Dallas. Yeah. As more people have wanted to live in the city and downtown Dallas has done a good job of offering stuff now that's walkable and very close to downtown to where you don't ever have to go anywhere. You know what's back, bro? Mm. Do you know what is back in Dallas? What is it? I meant to tell you last week. They're back, bro. I'm going to give you one guess. It's back. They used to drive us crazy. Scooters? Scooters are back, bro. Really? Hmm. But instead instead of seeing like 20 of them at a time, it's like they're putting them up in pairs. But scooters are back. They're back. Uh, mm. And I, I, was on, I was at the gym this morning. I was sitting in a car on the way to go in. This dude came whizzing by me in a scooter, bro. And it felt like he was going like 45 miles an hour in that one. Man. Uh, so apparently they can get up and go if you want to. Yeah. But no, the scooters are back. But to me, the big difference is they must have put a regulation I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out numbers. Like perhaps before they used to say you can put out 500 scooters downtown. And maybe when they brought them back, they said you can put out like 150. So they're there, but they're not like what they, they don't seem as dense or as concentrated as they used to be, which is which is cool to me. Yeah, I hope not, because they were insane a few yeah. years back. Yeah. But so it, I think they tried to get a handle on it. And now. I really only see them in pairs. I don't know if they're doing that on purpose or whatever, but I really only see them in pairs. Maybe trying to limit it a little bit because they can be definitely dangerous because people riding them aren't paying attention and don't realize that they're like cars. Bro, And that's for real. We'll see. We'll see. But, man, downtown Dallas, obviously all of Dallas has exploded in 20 years, but the actual downtown of Dallas being built up is really interesting. You know what's funny is what did we say it probably twenty years ago for sure? Uh, Dallas is a really good city. Their downtown sucks though, man. Oh, you know, yeah. You go to places yeah. like Chicago or you know New York or you know all these other cities. I remember uh, one time I went to Minneapolis obviously for a Cowboys game, and I was like, "Wow, Minneapolis downtown is bumping, man. There's stuff to do. There's great restaurants. There's activities." There's, and I was like, man, it's too bad Dallas sucks. Dallas got great pockets, but downtown sucks. Well, that's no longer the case, man. Uh, between, I mean, just, I mean, this is all kind of stuff going on with it. And downtown has expanded, whether you're talking about Deep Ellum or Trinity Groves or, you know, kind of short north. It's, it's all kind of one big downtown. It's just everywhere. Yeah, and that's the thing is that those little pockets now, they've made they're it to connected. where. Yeah, they're connected, but you can also. You can, like Trinity Groves is a great example. You could live in Trinity Groves and eat yes. and go out and just hang around that area and yes. never really have to leave. Yes, that is correct. 
And then, I mean, it's just, it's a really interesting, I don't know that I would have guessed this 20 years ago. No, you wouldn't have. Because everybody, it was so about the suburbs, and it still is. I mean, obviously, I mean, the fact that people are blowing up Anna and Melissa and all, you know, Prosper and all this stuff way north. But I, I kind of okay. always thought for whatever reason that Dallas especially was going to be more a suburb central. Everybody's living out. And now more people are living in and living up. And the explosion of actual downtown Dallas has been really crazy. That's because the, uh, and I know this, uh, it's, uh, the energy is different. You know, it's just a, it's got a city vibe. The energy is different. Oh, yeah. And it's just kind of a cool energy, especially in the mornings as it's just not, as it's just getting ready to take off. So, you know, as you experience that, uh, it, but, you know, I think if you're raising families, you got young kids, you still kind of probably want more of a suburban life. Uh, but as they, as you become empty nesters and people got, or young people right out of college or, you know, just starting their careers before they got families and spouses yeah. and stuff. Uh, I think they rock with downtown. And the good news about downtown Dallas is you're not far from Smokey John's Barbecue. Oh, no. Uh, very no. close, because that's just up there off Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field. Smokey John's Barbecue, man. If you haven't had an opportunity to grab that jam session bowl, do yourself a favor and go get one. It doesn't get any better than that because they made it for us. It's not on the menu. You got to listen to the podcast to know it even exists. You can also pick up a bottle of their rub or their sauce. It's local. It's family owned. And man, no matter what you get at Smokey John's, you're just going to absolutely love it because everything they do is elite level stuff. No, it's all fantastic, man. And Jam Session Bowl is uh, out of this world. It's definitely to live for. And if you haven't had one, I challenge your ass. Ooh, did I say that? I challenge you to go this week and pick one up. And here's here's why. It starts with a mac and cheese or mashed potato base. And then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats, man, and put it on there. Your boy usually rocks with the brisket and the sausage. I have been known to do brisket and chicken, but brisket and sausage is kind of my go-to. That's nice. And then, dude, all the stuff that you find on the loaded baked potato, from chives to bacon bits, sour cream, butter if you get down like that. And then the coupe de grace. Yeah, I said it, the coupe de grace, just like that is uh, they either drizzle it with that fantastic barbecue sauce or they drench it. You just tell them how you want it, drizzled or drenched. Either way, they'll do it for you. Uh, and then, bro, it is fantastic. It's uh, easily, easily, easily can serve too. If you got a little shorty who's five or six, the three of y'all can eat no problem. So it's it's that gargantuan. It's It's fantastic. I haven't had one in a few weeks, which means it's about that time. It is. Go get one this week. Maybe you'll see Jacques up there getting his. Now, it won't be this week. I'm, uh, I'm on my way to a uh, – I've been told me and my workout partners we're going on a two-week shred this week, so we'll see how that okay. works out. Okay, well, maybe in but a couple. the day after, brother, I'm in there. There you go. All right. Smokey John's Barbecue, man. Go support those guys. They're such great people. Also, of course, made possible by HFX Foundation Solutions. It's that time of the year when the heat comes out and the soil starts getting dry, you start having foundation problems. And maybe it's a crack that you notice that wasn't there before. Sticking doors. And then, of course, it'll pour down rain. And you realize, oh, we don't have gutters. That's not good. Water's just sitting on the side of our home. HFX Foundation Solutions handles all of that for you. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. They can come out, give you some tips, and find some things to help you make sure that your foundation, if they don't have any problems, that you don't get any. And if you do have problems, catch it early, and they'll get it fixed up for you. 
you know, HFX, Aaron and his team over there, what they do is they go check out the inside of your crib where you're not looking. And they check it out and they make sure that everything's good, the things that you can't see. Um, that's, you know, the one thing that they give you, man, is peace of mind. They give you peace of mind that you're not going to have any foundation problems. Foundation problems can not only wreck your budget, they can wreck the value of your house. And you don't want that, man. It's most people's biggest investment by far. You want it to be all good. And the best way to make sure that that's the case is to have Aaron and his team come over and do what we lovingly call a colonoscopy for your crib. Get all up in there, make sure that everything's in good working order and give you the peace of mind that you deserve from your biggest investment. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. Give Aaron a call, man. They'll get you taken care of. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. So the Rangers, obviously, as we record this on Sunday, we don't know the result of the final game in Tampa for the weekend. But so far, they they lose, didn't go their way on Friday. Saturday definitely goes their way, and they come out of it with the win. Maybe they'll win, maybe they'll lose, but they go into Tampa and at least get one. The other good thing is that Houston, I believe they, they'd lost either four or five in a row before they finally got a win. So when Texas lost there too, they didn't lose any ground to Houston in the standings. And as a matter of fact, now as we go into Sunday's games, have a five-game lead over Houston in the American League West. And it's just another one of those teams, man. Things didn't go their way Friday. They just, the bats were quiet. Who was, I think it was Perez, if I remember right. Didn't have a great outing. Then Evaldi comes back yesterday and gave up four runs, which is more than he had given up like in his previous seven games or something. And the bats came alive, got a couple home runs, had some clutch moments. And to bounce back against a really good team like Tampa like that and get the win, here come the Rangers, man, just doing what they do so far this season. I think people are still trying to come to grips with the fact that they're a good team. Yeah. And so it's baseball. You're going to lose three in a row at some point, maybe four out of six, because you're placing other good teams. There's travel. It's, it's a hard game. It's a hard sport to win. But the reason why you should feel confident about these Rangers is, and they, they've really done it almost textbook, is what have they done, bro? They're trying. If they win today, I think it'll be the seventh straight series that they've won. But – they didn't have any long winning streaks. They were just winning two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. And then all of a sudden, they put together five in a row. And boom, now you got to jump. Now what are they trying to do again? Two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, three out of four, two out of three, two out of three. And then at some other point, we'll put another five or six game streak together. Boom. And when you do it like that, man, that's how you end up 30 or 40 games over 500 because you're never losing – what, when they lost the other day, that was the first time in a month they'd lost back-to-back games. I mean, come on, people. This is a good team. Yeah, it is a good team. And it, it was Heaney on, on Friday, not Perez. So just uh, I, you know, Perez, I didn't want to bash him for no reason. He's, but. Uh, I wonder who's on, a, who's on the bump tonight, today. Cause it might be Perez today. I was going to say, it might be Perez or it might be Gray. I can't remember. I guess I could go look. Yeah, I guess you could if you want. I don't think it's Gray because he went already earlier, not too long ago. All right. So maybe it is Perez. I don't know. But point being, it's it's a good baseball team. And this is a really interesting stretch for them because not only do they have Tampa now, and then they'll jump on a plane after the game and head back. They got four coming up this week at home against the Angels, who are a few games over 500. And then next weekend, they've got Toronto, who's six games over 500 right now. So they're going to play some good baseball teams here. 
in this starting with Tampa and then on into LA and Toronto. Then they get a break with the White Sox. Then they get the Yankees, who are a very good baseball team. So this little stretch here, man, if you can just kind of tread water here, and this is one of those stretches, if you can play a game or two over 500 during this next stretch, really through the end of June before you get to Detroit, that's what good baseball teams, you want to beat the teams that suck and you want to play 500 against other really good baseball teams. Yeah, pretty much. And they're they're doing that. They're 15 and 11 against teams over 500 right now. So, pretty damn good, man. No, there's, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing fluky to me about their performance right now. It's all kind of like, you know, this is kind of who we are and this is what we do. And uh, that should be encouraging to you. Yeah, and Perez goes today against Shane McClanahan in the series ender in Tampa. So we'll see what happens. I mean, God, they win this game and they get two out of three against Tampa. I'll take it. Oh, that's a, no, that's, that'd be a hell of an accomplishment that you, you get two out of three against Tampa. But, man, they're, they're 46 and 19. They are crazy fun to watch. And because I've got that MLB package, we were out and about yesterday and I was watching it on my phone wherever we were going because I was into it, man. And, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Seager hit that home run in the fourth, which is a huge one. And they're just a fun team to watch because every guy that comes up to the plate, you just feel like has the opportunity to get something done because they've got good players who hit, they hit home runs. They do a lot. The pitching's good. It's they're a fun team to watch. Dude. And uh, I was going to say, they've got the second biggest lead in baseball. Uh, the Rays yeah. have a five and a half game lead over Baltimore and they got a five game lead over Houston. And uh, you're right. Houston won 18 out of 23 and didn't gain any ground and they must be like damn what the hell yeah man i mean that's what happens when you run into a streak of losses like houston did you can go from two and a half back to five back real quick when the team ahead of you isn't losing but maybe one here one there and winning series no absolutely the other thing and this just happened the french open is over and this may come as a shock to everyone but novak djokovic has won the french open that gives him more major wins than anyone in the history of tennis. He has broken a tie with Federer and, and Nadal, his 23rd all-time major. Wow. How about that? that he doesn't that suck, good. I guess, huh? No, no, he's pretty damn good. And that's what's so crazy is this era of tennis – that we have been in for the last, God, what, 20 years or whatever it's been, where it's either one of three guys. It's Federer or it's Nadal. And yeah. that that's who it is. And then it was Djokovic. And it's one of those three guys. And it's kind of crazy because for a long time, it was, it was Federer with his 20 majors. And, of course, he last won one back in 2018. And he's done now. And then Nadal comes along and breaks that record and gets to 22. And then... Djokovic, who won the Australian Open to tie Nadal at 22, now has won the French Open. And we'll see. Can he get it done? He's probably going to win Wimbledon because Djokovic has won the last four Wimbledons in a row. Woo. So most likely he's going to get three. And then the question will become, can Djokovic win the U.S. Open, which he's won a couple of times, but he hasn't won since 2018, to complete the grand slam by winning all four majors in one year. Cause he'll win Wimbledon barring injury. He's going to win Wimbledon. All right. That would be fantastic. That's a hell of a feat, man. Four different surfaces, get it done. Yeah. It's crazy. That is his third mm -hmm. French open, by the way. 
that that's impressive because we all know uh, Nadal usually usually owns a French. Yeah, and I think Nadal was injured and didn't play in this one. So yeah, I don't think he played because he was hurt. Yeah, and and so we'll see. I don't know, man. That but that is. It's really, really wild to see a guy like that, Novak Djokovic, and he's not done. I mean, there's a. I mean, he's going to win Wimbledon, so I'll give him 24. Maybe he gets 25, and he's 36 years old. I mean, that's he's still in it, man. I think Federer was winning majors when he was 37, still. So, I mean, we could have another year or two of Djokovic. I mean, he could put this thing. He might be able to get up into 28 and put it out of reach where nobody's going to get that many again. Well, I think the, the cool thing is they all drove each other. They all played each other. They all beat each other. And uh, sometimes you need that to keep you going. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't ever pay attention to tennis, man. I, I don't ever watch it. I used to when I was younger. And, and we've talked about this before. I don't know if it's just I need an American. I don't know. But even as great as Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer have been, for whatever reason, I just I, I don't care at all about tennis. I mean, I don't, I don't care that much about men's tennis. And now that Venus and Serena are gone, I don't care that much about women's tennis. I'm about stars. Uh, so, you know, if uh, Coco can do a little something or uh, who's our young lady who's uh, just kind of disappeared? I forget her name. She's I, disappeared. You tell me. She's, she's the half, uh, I think she's Japanese and black. I oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. Shows how much we know. <laughs> But if she could come back and get a little something going, that might be interesting. But Martina Navratilova. No, that ain't it. Oh. Chris Everett. <laughs> that ain't it either, brother. <laughs> no? Hmm. Well, oh, well. I know who you're talking about. Is it Osaka, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yes. That's who it is. Now, what's her first name? I don't know, but Osaka. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is it Naomi Osaka? Boy, there it is. I was just looking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there it is. And there it is. That is a wild, man, what a, a fun back and forth podcast that was. Dude, her current ranking is 401. <laughs> Naomi Osaka? Yeah, because she hadn't played in like two years. Oh, is she just done? She's never going to play again? Bro, I can't say that she, I can't say, I can't huh. say. Yeah, she's a four-time Grand Slam champion, two two Australian Opens, two U.S. Open titles. Twenty-five years old. Remember, she had, uh, and I, I'm being real, talk, I'm being serious here. You know, she got, um, she had some mental, yeah, issues, yeah, I remember that. Just yeah. in terms of dealing with the pressure and the, and all that went into being a champion and having all these sponsors and all this stuff, and you know, there's nothing that says she has to play if she was good with her money. She. You know, she won $21 million in prize money, and she won probably, she earned probably two or three times that in endorsements. And so, you know, she's happy. There's nothing to say she's got to get back to the game. Oh, I see. So apparently, before the Australian Open earlier this year, she announced that she's pregnant. And oh, okay. that's why she is not going to play this season. But she confirmed that she will be back for the Australian in 2024. In January. Oh, okay. So Good she is her. having a child with rapper Corday possible I, I don't know this but i think they've been together for a minute okay not that so, it matters either way but i think that's been her her dude for a minute yeah that's who she's with so maybe she'll be back and and get back at it who knows yeah let's see all right well hope you guys enjoyed that one we'll be back on wednesday we'll have another one wednesday and friday this week full week of podcasting coming your way everybody have a great week we'll talk to you soon Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, 
You can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.